Welcome back. This is, if you didn't know, it's the Breakpoint Show. So uh, I'm here with uh, Gleed and Martin, and it's been it's been fun the last two weeks. We are uh, looking forward next week to uh, .NET 8 coming out, and uh, we'll talk about that in two weeks. So that's going to be in the in the next episode. But we were talking this morning. Oh, and it's November 7, 2023. I didn't want to forget that. We were talking this morning about, you know, we have this new version of .NET getting released. But there is so much in all the previous .NET versions and releases and all the previous C-sharp versions. What features do developers not use that they probably should or at least understand, read about more to help in their in their development? So we we came up with a good list of items that each one of us think. So I'm gonna I'm gonna pick the geek chic himself bleed <laughs> he's got the uh the stylish hat on which i like uh he wears hats indoors my mom always told me not to wear hats inside but uh i i do wear hats inside but but uh bleed, what do you give me a feature that that people just do not think about when they develop for in net that they should add to their tool belt yeah first of all you're not my real dad i can wear a hat whenever i want so I know. it's fine i, know. I don't fine. want to be your dad trust me. <laughs> trust me it's all right it's okay but you know there are a lot of versions of net we're heading into dot uh net eight and i think a lot of people forget there were like dot versions like dot one dot five so it's like if you count those as full versions of releases there's definitely a lot of iterations of dot net uh so uh one of the things that really sticks out in my mind that i think a lot of people forget because it's not when you look at it it's not really idiomatic c sharp uh link syntax right so we have dot notation where you know you do dot where dot select those are pretty common if you're using something like an ORM, like Entity Framework Core and stuff like that. But uh, a lot of people don't know that they can kind of get uh, similar queries using just length syntax, which looks very similar and is modeled after SQL, right? And uh, Martin and I were just talking about one of my favorite keywords in C Sharp, which is the let keyword. Um, which lets you kind of create variables within a particular query. So uh, for me, sometimes writing out uh, queries with link, sync, link syntax is a lot easier to read than, say, uh, using the dot notation where you have to select variables and do all these kind of things. So that, to me, is one of the things a lot of people probably should go back and look at. Um, especially if you're doing things like grouping things or uh, just writing really complex uh, link to object kind of queries. So 
Uh, that's one of my favorites that people don't i'll give a i'll give a plug if people want to get a tool that they can learn link better it's a link pad oh yeah absolutely yeah I, i actually pay for link pad every year because it's such a good tool uh not that i don't pay for other things but i do pay for LinkPad because it, it is a good tool and there's actually uh, examples that come with it that are really nice examples that will teach you teach you a lot of this link syntax that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Yep. Shout but out to LinkPad. It is, it is kind of weird um, because Link at some point was plugged as a really big feature in .NET Framework. Um, and everyone and every blog post that Microsoft was doing, for example, was about Link and that Link syntax. But somehow over the years, we have all started using the, the method-based approach to calling it and not really using the, the keywords. Um, if, if I look at some open source projects out there, for example, I've almost never come across it anymore in, in recent years. Mm-hmm. So definitely good one, Khalid, to bring up as a, as a missing thing or a thing that people should look into. Yep. Yeah. Can okay. I? Can, okay, can Martin. I, can I oh, well, wait. Can I speculate okay. why people aren't using it? Can sure. I Ooh, speculation. Is, is this a hot take or? Let's Maybe. do assumptions. There's tinfoil under this hat. Assume, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think... Um, like the rise of extension methods and being able to kind of like be able to augment a query is just really, really difficult with link syntax. So a lot of libraries don't like if link had a way to link syntax had a way to create your own keywords and extend the query language, I think it would be more popular. But given that a lot of folks want to add uh, features to things like entity framework core through extension methods, I think that's to me is why it's probably not as used today because there's just yeah. no extensibility to it. Yeah. So. Yep. Though you you can you can still mix and match, right? You can run um, or you can write a query using the link syntax and then use the extension methods for whatever you want to extend that specific sp- expression with. But it's not that... as beautiful as using yeah. one or the other, but still, it's it's possible, right? But yeah, but we're talking. Bring... Does that bring back the entire results, and then you then it applies the extension methods? I think on the, it, on the entire result set. I think it depends on the query provider, but you guys realize we're talking about developers, right? Who I know. who want style to be exactly the way they want it. So, a mix and match approach just does not work. For I know. A lot of that's that's like dogs marrying cats and <laughs> yeah that's that's not good so all right okay well, martin martin what's the next one um i have one that's um that is in .NET since i think one of the first versions of, of the .NET framework and that is the obsolete attribute has any one of you ever used that one no educate me so the obsolete attribute is essentially an attribute that you can put on classes or methods or wherever you want to put them uh, and gives you a warning or an error. If you enable warnings as errors in your uh, MS builds, it will give you a warning saying, look, this is something that you probably should not be using anymore. Maybe you should consider using this other thing or, uh, or something like that. Now, the cool thing is, and I don't think anyone knows about this one, 
but the obsolete attribute has been updated in, I think, .NET 5 or .NET 6, where you can now also give it a diagnostics ID. So that means if you obsolete a class or a method or whatever, you can give it a number and say, this is in my project um, diagnostic ID 1 or 2 or 5 or whatever you want to put there. And the cool thing about that is that you can suppress those if needed in your project file and so on. So the obsolete attribute, while it was really meant to mention that you should no longer be using a particular class or methods, uh, using that diagnostic ID, I tend to look into it to also opt into certain features. Hmm. So uh, to give an example, if you're building a new SDK or new API in your software and you're not yet sure that that's going to be the final form of it, maybe you can put the obsolete attribute there, which is kind of counterintuitive because you're saying obsolete while it is not uh, for obsolete purposes there. But the cool thing is you can uh, give it a diagnostic ID so that people, when they are using that API, will see their MS build log full of warnings whenever they are using that specific methods, where you say, look, if you are sure that you want to use this, this is fine, but be wary, this might disappear or this might change or whatever. Um, and people can then opt in, so to speak, by suppressing the diagnostic ID for that one so yeah. that they acknowledge the message that you have in the code there. That's sounds cool. like a good tool, good thing for uh, for NuGet people that that build NuGet libraries and open source libraries. I, I was actually thinking now that I was explaining this that I should write a blog post about this. <laughs> Please do. It'll be interesting to put like a sponsor link in one of. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's, That's not go cool. there. <laughs> All right, Chris, Martin. Okay, Martin, so what about you? yeah, Martin, you have any? Is that are you done with the obsolete? Th that is the one, and I think okay. it's one of the cool. one of the underrated things in .NET well, for sure. We'll, we'll come back to your your next one in a second, but seeing I'm a data geek and I love EF Core, and I have to give a shout out to the to the EF Core team. They do a great job. Um, they are an amazing team. I think there's only like four people, three or four people on the team, and they just kick out some amazing, amazing stuff. So just want to give a shout out. But there's so many different features in EF Core that people just don't use. So like DB context pooling. Mm -hmm. You know there's a way, like traditionally when you put something in the DI container and you grab something out. So you pull something out when you, when you uh, like say in a constructor. Uh, .NET has to hydrate that, that uh, object and give it to you. And it, there's some overhead to that. Well, DB context pooling is where the first time a DB context gets created, it will create 32 of these of your DB context that you set up in in uh, in your startup, and it will just give you those out of the pool, and it won't need to hydrate them. And the nice thing is too, when it come when you send it back, when it comes back in through the garbage uh, collector, it gets. Uh, 
it gets its state cleaned and put back to an original level. So, so that one, and the other one is, you know, uh, people are always afraid of SQL injection. There is a cool feature called, and it's really long, so bear with me, string interpolation in raw SQL methods. <laughs> and basically you can inject a SQL uh, statement with variables and it will go over not as one giant uh, SQL statement. It will go over as a SQL statement with a variable and then with with go along with the variable that that goes along variables that go along with that that uh, link statement that's coming over. I think it comes up. It's not a link statement, just a raw SQL, but it's really nice and it will actually increase the performance of your of your .NET application because you don't have to do the overhead of link. So you have a really, or if you have a really complex uh, uh, query statement that your DBA gives you and you have no idea how to put it in the link, then, uh, then you could do that. So those are two features that I really don't see a lot of people using. Yeah. I was worried you're going to start selling us store procedures again, like last time, but um... no, no, <laughs> it's fine. Well, I, I, I think my... you can still, I think you can still call those stored procedures in those strings with interpolated can, uh, variables, can, right? But there, there is native, now there is native uh, calls in EF core for stored procedures. So yeah, I, th I think the interpolation you mentioned is super cool. It's a uh, it's a function of formatable strings. So exactly, um, that's something that probably a lot of people aren't like they're using it as a function of like writing code, but don't really understand that that is what's happening, and that they could essentially pass around the formatable string and ask this thing hey what are some of your variables what are, what's your state right now before actually producing the string so yeah uh yep. we got like a twofer out of that twofer one, on that one yeah yeah, yeah it, it does piggyback on the formatable string feature of uh c sharp mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so okay yeah. on to the next one right. Who, who's going next me Khalid. you yeah Khalid. All right, I have another good one. It's it, this is kind of a twofer, but uh, Chris, you mentioned this before we started recording. Uh, delegates and events, right? Like the idea of delegates and events was so integral in the early days of C sharp, uh, because C sharp was really there to help people write WinForms applications, right? Uh, so the event model was really important to the language and that's kind of fallen out of favor as we've moved to different uh, ways to build applications like uh, MVVM and uh, other kind of like models versus view approaches. But I still think uh, delegates are pretty cool. Uh, and people are probably using delegates today and not realizing it. Uh, lambdas are essentially delegates under the covers. And one of the cool things you can do with lambdas is you can kind of chain them together. So you can always use the plus equals syntax to kind of like load several delegates into say one variable and then call them and they'll execute in sequence that you registered them. So that's kind of neat. 
Uh, I don't really see a lot of people using the delegate and event system uh, as much as, you know, in the early days of .NET. And it's kind of just kind of fallen out of favor. So, um, yeah. I, that, that is a cool one. I was, what was that .NET? That was .NET Framework 2.0 or 3.0? It's got to be early, like 2, I would imagine. I Maybe even two. 1. <laughs> I'm, I'm guessing even two. 1. Yeah. Was it one or was it like one dot one or one dot like a and, and for folks for folks listening, this was not .NET Core one point one. This was actually .NET Framework one. Yeah, yeah. That was that was the Steam Steam edition of uh, .NET. You had to go outside, <laughs> fill the Steam engine, and then get that. Machine oh, I going. I had to I had to get the hamsters going on the <laughs> on the treadmill to generate electricity. Yeah, yeah. That was. That was back in the early days when I think you were really, really cool if you had like a gig of RAM. That was back in the, uh, what was that like? Pentium Pro, the Pentium Pro era. Do you remember the Pentium Pros and all yeah. the, 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 the pre- the clean, the clean suit guys that danced and stuff. Yeah. 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 It was all fun. But we, no, that, we that's are showing our really cool. And there's there's so many different things that are from like .NET Framework one and two and three that people have just forgotten about because there's the new shiny pennies that that have are newer and and get demoed more. But like go back, I mean, there's just so many hidden gems. Let's hear another one, Martin. I, I will let you pick because I have two more on my list. Uh, one is more low level, one is more high level. What uh, do you prefer? I like high level stuff. Low Me level too. stuff's for nerds. No, it's not for nerds. It's not <laughs> for nerds. But I'll do the high level one. Uh, I will say ASP.NET Core tag helpers. Oh, I love tag helpers. I'm, I'm not sure if everyone uh, listening to the podcast knows about those, but essentially what they let you do is extend an HTML tag in your ASP.core uh, Razor application or MVC application and either uh, inject more HTML based on whatever is happening in the code or change the current tag that you are uh, applying the tag helper to. So a good example could be where you have a tag helper um, that you extend with an attribute where you say, look, um, when this tag is rendered, please check the security context. And if the user does not have permission, hide the elements. Mm -hmm. That is one that you could do. You could also write an if statement, of course, in your views and so on. But using tag helpers is really nice there because you can edit and change the behavior of the current tag without requiring a full uh, new component or a full partial view or anything like that. So you can essentially extend an existing HTML tag in there. Yeah. I I actually use tag helpers for htmx.net. Uh, for folks who don't know what htmx is, it's kind of a front-end, back-end library that lets you call the server and then like swap in new HTML elements. But part of the htmx is having to know the URLs and endpoints that you have to call and the library uses tag helpers to make it easier to opt into ASP.NET Core's routing model. So instead of having to know what all the paths are to the endpoints that you need to call, you can use the same syntax you would for 
um, you know, ASP dash page, ASP dash action and stuff like that. So uh, that's been super awesome for that library. And uh, I love tag helpers. They're great. Thanks, Martin. You're welcome. I, I love them as well. <laughs> uh, it is sad not seeing them supported in Blazor, but maybe we'll talk about that next next week when .NET 8 releases. Maybe in one of the upcoming Blazor releases at some point. Tag helpers <laughs> should be around. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna skip and let Khalid because Khalid has uh, quite a few, uh, and I liked his list, so I'm gonna let him go on. So we we don't go too long in the episode. So give me the next one. All right, so let's bring it to the future of uh, flying cars and hovering skateboards. Uh, a feature that I think a lot of people want to use, but maybe are struggling to use because of like the bar is so high of like needing to understand what's happening. But I think more people want to use it uh, and write their own uh, source generators. So source generators kind of added what in .NET 6, I think. Um, but six or seven, I think it was six before, uh, before. Yeah. Okay. Donut seven introduced, I think, incremental source generators to kind of help oh. improve performance. Uh, I think .NET eight is going to introduce yet another approach to source generators. Uh, maybe we'll talk about that next time, but source generators are pretty powerful and I think they're going to be critical for, um, AOT. So ahead of time compilation and kind of getting your apps to compile for native targets, uh, source generators is kind of probably the best approach um, for folks. If, if they still want to be able to generate code and use things similar to reflection. Um, but yeah, the, the barrier to entry to source generators has just been so high. You have to understand abstract syntax trees. You have to like, think about code rather than thinking about the object graph, which reflection, typically you're thinking about objects at runtime, source generators, you're dealing with like code, which is kind of a strange mental shift, I think for a lot of people. Uh, and so there are people writing source generators out there, but I don't think it's seen the adoption that I thought it would have because I think it's just been difficult to write. So I, I think a lot of people are still holding off um, using them. So have, they are, have you folks ever written any source generators? I've tried. They're, they're kind of tough. For me, they always remind me of, remember the old T4 templates? Mm -hmm. They kind of, yep, yep. they're kind of the, the T4 next generation. So when T4s were always kind of, like, oh, like those were always black magic, not black magic, but kind of a little hard to, to, to figure out the whole process. So yeah. Gr gray magic. Gray magic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, I am going to steal one that from lead and right. this isn't really a like features that no one uses anymore. These are features that no one can use anymore. And I think Khalid probably knows what I'm going to be talking about. Mm -hmm. But 
you know, throughout the years, Microsoft has brought out uh, features in .NET that were tied to uh, features in Visual Studio, and they never, I don't think they have kept up with them, or they just let them die off and go away. Mm -hmm. um, and there are there are a few of of these kind of like, and I'll I'll name the one that I remember. If people remember the original uh, Entity Framework, this is any framework with in .NET Framework that everyone kind of the first couple versions they despised. Uh, but if you remember EDMX, the EDMX file, you couldn't edit that by hand. It was like this, this like complex XML file, but you had to have the, the editor in Visual Studio. And I don't know if that editor is still in today's Visual Studio. I, I think you can see it. I don't know if you can edit the EDMX files anymore. I think you can like visualize it, but visualize I, I don't know. It. Okay. Yeah. 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 Because there's there's still probably use cases to to use EDMX instead of like uh, uh, Poco objects and and doing the the code first and database first uh yeah. ways of going about ef but yeah edmx definitely doesn't can't be used in uh in ef core in the in the new ef core can it uh no i don't think so but i think yeah. there are NuGet packages out there and uh if folks don't know martin and i are on the writer team and every once in a while we get a cursed ticket of someone asking us to support edmx in rider <laughs> so, for for, uh, dot, for current dot net we'll just yeah today yeah. oh yeah yeah i don't know i i i'm sorry folks <laughs> yeah. is there any other ide features that that got tied to dot net uh i guys can I, remember i have i think two. workflow foundation is probably one of those right yeah yeah that's one um i think that was promising like i still is it workflows just die because they sound like a good idea but then they become like a maintenance burden like is that what happens with a lot of workflow frameworks people just it's just too much to handle because now they have kafka now they have like independent stuff that they can that they can implement those in yeah. But yeah, I mean workflows workflows were really really important especially if you guys remember like BizTalk. Mm -hmm. BizTalk had a lot of their orchestrations that that relied on workflow and uh I thought some of that stuff was great because it it could isolate uh kind of steps in your workflow but yeah, it never seemed to to fully take off. Yeah, I think it's like managing and versioning workflows has always been difficult. So, like once you yep. once you realize you've forgotten a step or need to augment the workflow, I think that's where a lot of people were like, eh, "Maybe we don't want to do this anymore." So, um, oh, I have another one. 
this is uh, this is both tied to .NET, but also tied to a long gone Windows version, uh, car card space. So if folks who don't remember card space, you would go into your control panel and you would type your identity in and it would essentially create a token that you could then use to log into like websites right from Windows. So this was even before OpenID, right? Like this was a yeah, yeah. Or, or around the same time. Yeah. Yeah. So card space was a total pain in the butt to work with, but I know there's a lot of card space fans out there that wish we could go back <laughs> to that. Uh, we kind of have in a way we have like uh, two factor auth and phones being kind of our authentication yeah. mechanism. So yeah, text. Yeah. Maybe yeah. card space was ahead of its time. Maybe that maybe it shouldn't be so harsh on it. Yeah. There were lots <laughs> of things in .NET that kind of were ahead of its time and just kind of never really took off, but uh, cool. Mark, Actually, you have, have, have one. Yeah, yeah, I have yeah. one more that is that is yeah. current that has been in .NET for a long time. This is the low-level one, by the way, uh, but that is super valuable if you have other people on your team or yourself in a couple of months if you don't don't know uh, the code anymore. And that is the debugger display attributes. I keep talking about attributes, um, but that one is really cool because uh, it lets you annotate your classes and so on with uh, with an attribute where you say, "Look." If someone is inspecting this object in the debugger, show these properties. And that's super helpful if you have um, a class, for example, that has some meaningful information, but then also some information that is needed somewhere, but is not super relevant uh, for most debugging work. You can actually use that attributes to say, look, um, look at these properties and you can still look at the other ones as well. But those two will, uh, or those three or whatever you put in there are gonna be more visible in the debugger than the other ones. And related to that, there's a couple of other ones. There's the debugger browsable and debugger hidden attributes, where you can also say, look, when someone is stepping through, don't even show this thing because it's uh, it's definitely an internal implementation detail and you should not be showing this one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Good. I yeah. forgot about that. Yeah. Well, wow. I don't I don't write bugs, so I never really have to run. Yeah, that, that does help. That does help. <laughs> So, yeah. well, cool. Is there anything else? Does anyone have any last-minute items they want to they want to talk about? Cool. Yeah. Well, we're all excited for for .NET eight and C sharp twelve coming out next week. So, uh, there'll be there's there's quite a few good features coming out with that, and that ta that tag into a lot of the the new paradigm kind of frameworks that that people use or are using or should be using. Uh, so we'll talk about those in two weeks when we come back for another episode of the Breakpoint Show. Um, but yeah, I, I can't think of anything else. Any anyone have anything to plug? No, I mean, I mean uh, nothing to plug. I, I would no. say if you're watching this on YouTube or any of the channels where you can like and subscribe things, this is your cue, yep. like and subscribe. Go down there, like it, subscribe. We're actually getting quite a few. It's nice. I get emails when people subscribe on YouTube and 
we get a, maybe five to ten a week. Oh, so, right. So I, 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 I was just yeah. going to say, I was just going to say it takes you seven hours in the morning to just plow through all of the emails, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. It takes me. It, it's like a full-time job to to answer all the, in the do all the comments on the right. website and on YouTube. We're, but we're getting, no, we're it is nice to see people subscribing and, and uh, yeah. And it's just nice to, to, uh, to have you guys. And our, our next episode will be just after .NET, but it'll be right at Thanksgiving. So we'll have lots to uh, be thankful for. Uh, do they have Thanksgiving in Belgium? Martin or no, something no, we like don't. It. We don't. No, nope. you guys they don't have don't. anything. They don't have anything to be they not in Belgium. <laughs> in Belgium, they don't really care about giving thanks. So, so. no, no, we, we we just consume and that's it. We don't really care about that. Uh, exactly. <laughs> so, but yeah, I'll be at VS Live next week with a bunch of other .NET people. So, and then and then we found out Martin and I will be in Montreal in February at kung fu so so i'm looking forward very to very much looking forward sharing a beer i gave actually i gave up beer to the end of the year uh so all i can drink all i'm drinking now is is diet sodas mixed with uh spirits like mostly bourbon and and stuff like that so whiskeys <laughs> so what said so it's the healthy choice uh spirits Brian. Trying. Let's put instead of sugar, let's in carbs, let's put artificial sweeteners into my body. So I think <laughs> I think either way you're you're harmful to your body. But uh we're cool. Well, thanks everyone. Again, like let us know. We're always looking for new topics, like ideas that you want us to talk about. Um, we will run out at some point in the future topics, so maybe not. But, uh, machine, but we just want to thank everyone. You, we really appreciate the the kind words that that people say on social media. We are uh, out on all the social media platforms, and uh, yeah. So this will be coming out tomorrow. What sure. November eighth? It should be released so uh, so people can listen to it before next week for .NET Cop and listen uh go listen and watch .net comp next week uh microsoft has a has a great lineup of speakers and topics that are going to be talking about all the new goodness coming out in .net 8 and in c sharp 12 so you guys want to say goodbye sure say goodbye bye, bye everyone <laughs> bye yeah <laughs>